for this morning. I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. I appreciate Hiram and Neil both uh, presenting such a, a good lesson. And one of the central themes about what they talked about was the hope. Uh, that came through Jesus Christ and even surrounding the birth of Jesus you you saw where there was destruction and uh, where there was even killings uh, but the, here is the hope uh, that was presented and I appreciate Hiram and Neil for sharing that uh, last week we got to um, uh, the last part uh, chapter 3 and we're going to pick up there uh, basically in um, verse 22, and Mrs. Moyer uh, asked a question, but was more pointing out uh, something. And um, as Jim mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, we have where man chooses uh, to sin. Uh, man chooses to sin, and uh, every time there's a choice there, there's also a reaction and there's a consequence. And what we see throughout Genesis 3 through 11 pretty much and, and then throughout the Bible is that uh, God does not give up entirely on mankind. There's always hope uh, there. But let's just pick up in verse 22 and we'll just uh, dive in pretty quickly because of time. Um, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. And what he's referring to is uh, there were two trees that man was not to, uh, Adam and Eve were not to partake of in, in the garden. One was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and that's the one they partook of. And here's God saying, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Now think about what's being said there has become like one of us. Well, what's the us he's referring to? The us is the same us that was referred to when um, Jesus, well, when God said in verse 26 of chapter 1, then God said, let us make man in our image. And we already uh, clarified back when we looked at that who the us was. The Spirit of God was hovering on the earth, and we looked at the New Testament passages that tell us that Jesus was there uh, at that time. So here's the same, the Trinity, Lord God saying um, in verse 22 of chapter 3, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. And the reality is before partaking of that fruit, uh, they didn't know that difference uh, between um, good and evil. But now we all possess that uh, knowledge of knowing what the difference in good and evil. But notice what was said at the second part of that verse. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden uh, out from the garden of Edom to work the ground from which he was taken, he drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And so here we have that man could have partaken of the tree of life, 
Um, of course, he was told not to do so. So God puts, um, banishes him from the Garden of Eden and puts an angel there to protect uh, the tree of life. But we know that this is the beginning of the book, uh, the book uh, beginning of the Bible. Let's turn to the last chapter, if you will, Revelation chapter 22. So, <clears throat> again, there's a choice and a consequence. The choice was to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which man was not supposed to take. The consequence was he was banished out of the garden. Um, but we're also told about more about this tree of, of life. So, Revelation 21 is talking about the new Jerusalem, talking about heaven, and and talks about um, verse 23 of chapter 21. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord give its light, gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And so we find verse uh, 27 that there's a book of life. And then we find chapter 22, verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, and the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Uh, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So we see that the tree of life will be in heaven. And we also notice, um, let's notice um, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash the robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gate. So we as Christians, if we are live our lives in such a way pleasing to God and join um, Jesus in heaven, we will have the opportunity to partake of this tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. Um, we also see, notice verses 17 through 19. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears prophecy, words of the prophecy of this book, and anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in the book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, prophecy God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. So, again, the tree of life um, is in the holy city, in heaven, and so this uh, same tree of life that Adam and Eve uh, saw in the garden, um, God banished them from the garden so that they wouldn't partake of that then. But the hope is, is that we'll be able uh, to partake of that tree of life and be able to do what? That'll be back at Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. And take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. And so that's the picture that we have there between the first book of the Bible 
in the uh, last book of the Bible. But this morning we want to cover several other um, several other choices and consequences, and because of time, we'll kind of run through uh, these. In chapter four, we see where there is Cain and Abel, and there were two brothers, two different brothers. If you've had more than one child, you probably have noticed that children are different. And even though they could be born in the same family, grow up in the same place, they definitely are different. Uh, just our two daughters this morning were commenting, one is a morning person and one is not a morning uh, person. Um, but they, they are different. But that was, that's been true since the first two children, and that's uh, Cain and Abel. Yes, they grew up in the same place, but they had uh, different choices. Uh, they made different choices. Um, they had two types of offerings. Uh, one had a pleasing, uh, an offering that was pleasing, and one that was not pleasing. Now, we're not told the backstory of this. We're not told God's instructions on how to make an offering. Um, now, some have speculated that one is because one uh, sacrificed animals and one sacrificed uh, from the ground, but we know um, in Leviticus that um, the Israelites could offer grain offering. Uh, they could offer uh, first fruits. But we also see that... Um, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, we're told that Abel offered a sacrifice that was more acceptable. So we don't know the details of that, but we do know that Abel's sacrifice was more acceptable. One thing that we do see uh, that is mentioned here in verses 3 and 4 is that Abel brought uh, the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So we know that um, Abel brought of uh, the firstborn. Um, we don't know if Cain brought of uh, the first fruits. Um, it's indicated perhaps that he did not do that, that he uh, made an offering. We're just told he made an offering of the fruit of the ground. That's all we're told about it. But we do know that God's reaction, we do know that uh, verse 4 God had regard for Abel and his offering, but verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so we know uh, that uh, reaction. And so there's a choice and a consequence uh, here as a result. Now notice God intervening and providing context here and just having Cain step back. So we know Cain had made a choice, and God did not have regard for his offering, he could have had a different response. We do see, verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So here we have at the very beginning of Genesis basically a concept that even we today have to grasp. Uh, sin, sin's desire is for us. 
Sin's desire is to rule over us, to be against us, if you will. Um, But our job is to rule over it. Cain's job was to rule over that uh, evil desire. But he didn't. He decided uh, to kill his brother. He was jealous. And basically, uh, verse 8, when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, we don't know the conversation that took place at the first part of verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. We're not told the details of it. We don't know what was said back and forth. Um, We don't know what Cain said to him. But we do know the result. The result was that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. And so Cain did not rule over uh, sin, and so there's a consequence. Um, what's the consequence? Notice verse 11. God said, Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood uh, from your hand. Verse 12. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven away today, me today away from the ground. From your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. So, again, there's a choice and a consequence here. Um, Cain thought the punishment was too big for him to bear. He thought everyone that saw him would want to kill him. God um, clarified that. Uh, didn't give up on him totally. Um, he, um, he could have killed Cain for killing his brother. He did not. However, he did do a severe punishment um, to him uh, on that day. So after that, we'll, we'll kind of skip ahead here. We find that um, later, um, Adam and Eve ha- have uh, another child, Seth. And we're given those different descendants. It's interesting in the descendants of Cain and the descendants of Seth that there were several like names. Um, Verse 17 of chapter 1, we see that Cain bore a son named what? Enoch. But we also see that one of the descendants of uh, Seth was Enoch, chapter uh, 5, verse 22. And that Enoch walked with God. Um, and, um, and we also see, verse 24, that he walked with God and was not, for God took him. And so they had, both had descendants of the same name. We also see that in verse 18 of chapter 4, Cain had uh, Methuselah fathered Lamech, and we also find in chapter 5, 
in the last part of that chapter, we find that Methuselah fathered Lamech. And Lamech was the father of who? Noah. And so it's just interesting to me, just some trivia there, um, that they both had um, similar names in their, uh, found in their descendants. But again, we see where there is choices uh, that led up to the flood. So let's look at, uh, quickly at some of these uh, choices. In chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, notice what the Bible says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only, only evil continually. Verse 6, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Verse 7, so the Lord said, I will blot out man where I have, whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry uh, that I made them. So here's God that has determined um, he's disappointed uh, in the evilness of man. Let's jump over to verse 11 uh, of chapter 6. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled, filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And so we see the status of the earth is full of evil people, but we find there's an exception. There was hope, and that hope was who? Noah. In um, Noah, verse 8, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. So because of that, uh, God wanted to uh, have a covenant with, uh, make a covenant with Noah. And he asked him to build an ark. And he gave him the instructions of what to do. In verse 22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Chapter 7, verse 5, we find that Noah did all that God commanded him. Um, and so God um, did flood the earth. Uh, he covered the earth. He destroyed the earth. He destroyed mankind except for Noah and uh, those uh, with him on, on the ark. We find one of the neatest um, things about this story we find in verse 7, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I'm created. In the last part, he says, For I am sorry that I made them, but Noah. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So there's hope through uh, that's found through Noah. And we'll, we'll get to a few points on that here in just a little bit. So we find... Um, that um, all the animals went into the ark with Noah. Uh, we find, um, let's see, chapter 7, verse 5, we already mentioned that. 
And then we find in verse 16, And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So we find that the Lord closed Noah and those with him in the ark. So we see in chapter 7, or chapter 6, but Noah, and then chapter 8 you see, verse 1, but God. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Um, And then we find uh, in verse 15, then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth, be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So we find that God remembered Noah, he kept good care of him, he gave him the command to go out and um, replenish the earth, Verse chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, um, and lo, God blessed Noah and said to his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And this was a change from creation. Remember after creation, um, God had basically told Adam and Eve that they created all these plants and fruits and trees and that they could partake of all those things. But in chapter 9, verse 2, um, in, in the creation, after the, in the Garden of Eden, we're not told where God was uh, giving them permission to eat of the animals. We are told that he was to have dominion over the animals. But in chapter 9, verse 2, we find with Noah, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on, upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand uh, they are uh, delivered. Every moving thing that, uh, that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. And so we find here, just as God gave them all the green plants in the uh, Garden of Eden, here he's saying he's giving them um, all the animals. And so here we have uh, where God um, created a covenant uh, with uh, Noah. We find the reaction to that is that uh, God established a covenant with them in middle of chapter 9, verse 11. He established a covenant where he would no longer destroy all the earth by flood. He put a bow in the sky, a rainbow. Um, as that covenant, verse 15, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters again shall never become a flood to destroy all flesh. Uh, when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And so uh, we see uh, this covenant that God made with man. Now, I'll just mention quickly chapter 11. The first part talks about the Tower of Babel. And once again, we see where these men wanted to make a name for themselves. Um, 
They wanted to make a name, verse 4. They wanted to put themselves in charge. And so once again, you have where God said, let us. Um, And so um, he basically said, uh, verse 7, come let us go down. And there uh, confused their language. And so we have the Trinity again acting to uh, confuse the language. And so that was the consequence of sin there. So a couple lessons just quickly as we close here that we can learn. Children can be raised in the same home but turn out differently. That's something to always uh, hopefully hope uh, for parents. Uh, Second, we must do things in God's way, not our way. Cain tried to do things in his way instead of God's way. Um, Next, godly children can come from ungodly parents. How do we know that? Well, with Noah, Noah walked with God, but he came from apparently, even though Methuselah lived a long life on this earth, he he was not saved in the flood. And so... um, Apparently, Noah came from ungodly uh, parents. Next, we are not alone in following God. No matter how bad this world gets, and no matter the environment you work in, it will never be as bad as what Noah experienced. But he stayed true to God despite everyone around him having evil thoughts uh, continually. God looks out for those who follow him. God doesn't forget you when you're trying to follow him. So hope for you is no matter where you work, no matter if you feel like you're the only one in your family, no matter if you feel like um, you're the only one around that's trying to do what's right, God remembers you and will remember you. God keeps his promises. Um, um, Hiram touched on this earlier that God keeps his promises but here's another example with the rainbow that God every time you see a rainbow it shows that God keeps his promises and last task go undone when we are not united Um, notice all God had to do to get the people from um, finishing their work was to change their language. And notice chapter 11, verse 8. So the Lord dispersed them from there over to all the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. So God didn't necessarily destroy Babel. He confused their language, and they just quit the work. They left off building their city. So the uh, uh, promise, yes. Well, uh, certainly there were things that, um, uh, that was the end result, and that's what's stated here that God did do. He did disperse them. Um, I think, you know, sometimes uh, we can have this deeper conversation of, did everything go according to God's plan? Well, God has a plan, uh, and part of that plan was Jesus coming to this earth. But was it part of God's plan for everyone to be evil? No, it wasn't his plan uh, or his desire for everyone uh, to be evil. But we are free moral agents. 
So I know I cover a lot of ground in a short time, but there was a common thread there, and that brings us basically to Abraham, and we'll let Jim pick up from, from there in Abraham. That's right. Just a reminder, uh, Bible class will be first uh, next, uh, next Sunday. You're dismissed, and have a wonderful Christmas.